Have you ever met someone that you wish you'd never met? Have you ever met someone that you wish your husband would have never met? Or you ever met anybody or know anybody that you wish your wife would have never met or your son or your daughter would have never <clears throat> met? There's a relationship there. There's a relationship, in fact, between folks we've met and our greatest regrets. I mean, in truth, most case in most cases, these people are or were considered our friends, and then our deepest regrets tend to stem from those people. So we're in a series right now titled Guardrails, where we are just learning about the importance of having guardrails and putting guardrails in place and the significance of them. Again, remember, guardrails are a system designed to keep vehicles from straying into dangerous or off-limit areas. And the three most common locations for these areas are bridges, right? Because there's little room for error on a bridge. The median to protect us from oncoming traffic. The soft shoulders, right? Which is unexpected change in our life. And guardrails, again, we talked about this last week. Guardrails do two things. They direct us and they protect us. So they make sure we stay on the right path. And if we do begin to veer off, minimal damage done. It's not a catastrophic event. Instead, it's a minor ding, minor, you know, oh, not comfortable with that thing. So guardrails are also an important thing to keep in mind. Guardrails are not placed in the danger zone. In fact, they are placed inside of the safety zone. So your guardrail is not actually placed in the ditch. Your guardrail is placed on the road to keep you from going into the ditch. And again, if there were no guardrails on the bridges, you could drive closer to the edge, but you're very close to a catastrophic event. And if you make one simple mistake, you veer off the edge. And no one argues with the logic of a guardrail on a road. Nobody argues with the logic of a guardrail inside the safety zone. Nobody thinks for one moment that the guardrails on the bridge in Fredericksburg need to be taken off the bridge and put in the water. Nobody thinks that. Nobody argues that or argues that point at all. Because guardrails are designed to prevent us from going into a catastrophic event. Again, hitting a guardrail is... The, the damage done when you hit a guardrail is minor in comparison to what could have happened on the other end of that. And again, this whole series is about the idea that the highway or the roads aren't the only place that we need guardrails. In fact, your greatest regrets and my greatest regrets, as we talked about last week, um, they may have been avoided if we had some guardrails, you know, related to our financials or related to our morals or our relationships or our profession, right? If we had guardrails in place in these different arenas of our life, maybe your greatest regret wouldn't even have been a significant regret. And future regrets can be avoided right now if, if you and I begin to establish these guardrails and put them into place. The problem is culture doesn't encourage guardrails at all. And again, as we talked last week, culture will actually go after you and make you seem foolish and make you seem stupid and make you seem like a bigot and make you seem like you're old-fashioned or far too conservative or you're not disciplined enough, right? That's what culture will have you will say about you because it doesn't encourage guardrails. And as we learned last week, culture encourages painted lines, very simple things, you know, just things that are suggestions, not things that are actually significant or things that will actually protect you. And today, and today I want to talk specifically about our friends and our associates. 
who we run with, we play with, and we work with, the people that we spend our time with. It's the folks we've met that are part of our greatest regret, and you know that. These are the people. And before we get started, I don't want you to hear this and say, Brandon, this sounds so judgmental. It's not. Today, we are exercising not judgmentalness or anything like that. We are exercising good judgment. That's what we're going to talk about, exercising good judgment, because there's a difference. There's a difference. Being judgmental is when I draw a critical or harsh conclusion about you and expect you to be or act different, and I'm drawing this conclusion from you, and I'm drawing this conclusion and therefore condemning you for the conclusion. Good judgment, however, good con- is drawing conclusions about ourselves based on wisdom, right? Past, present, and future. That's using good judgment. That's recognizing, you know what? This isn't a good relationship for me. Not necessarily because of you, although maybe because of you, but most because I'm not prepared or I'm not ready. I'm not sure that I can do that. Judgmental assumes something about the other person, assumes something about the other person, projects something about the other person, right? Now, this isn't about the other person. Today is about you. Today's not about the other person. It's about you. In fact, today it's it's on me. And in fact, I sit back and I just recognize there's times in my life where I recognize that given the personality that I'm dealing with or somebody that I'm working with or that I see or that I spend some time with, I just sit back and go, you know what? Instead of sitting back and getting frustrated and being rude, I just think, I'm just not ready for that relationship. I'm not ready for that friendship. Whatever that needs to be in order to operate with that individual, I'm just not ready for that yet. So it's all about us today. We're not judging the other people. We're not making excuses. We're not doing anything like that. We're not holding them to a standard they didn't agree to. We're simply looking at situations and saying, I don't think I'm ready for that. Now, When we were kids, our parents were fanatical about who we spent time with, right? And if you're a parent, you understand. Remember your parents, they switched you school. They wouldn't wouldn't let you play at, you know, fill in the blanks house. You had somebody that you weren't allowed to go play with that you liked. They either moved or they would have arranged your marriage if they had the opportunity, right? I mean, maybe some of you now, your teenagers sitting back going, yeah, mom would arrange my marriage right now if she could. And remember, you guys remember, you thought it was ridiculous, right? You used to look at your parents and say, you are so judgmental. You're so judgmental. You're so harsh. You're not fair. And now as a parent, it's worse, isn't it? As a parent, you're paranoid-er. You're more paranoid about it. Why? Because you remember your friends. You remember the people that you surrounded yourself with. I know for me, I remember the people that I surrounded myself with, and I look at my boys and I want to make sure they don't make the same decisions that I did. Because again, some of the situations and some of the greatest regrets are because of the people that I had met. And parents, now you have an advantage over your parents. Why? Because you have an electronic surveillance system. You can look on Facebook, their Instagram, their Twitter, their TikTok, because they don't spend any time doing anything else. So you can look and see their life in the digital space. You can see what they're doing, what they're saying, how they're acting, the way they're behaving. You have something that your parents never, never did. And you can check your friends, your, your child's friends' Facebook page. And some of you do, right? You do the Facebook stalking or the Instagram stalking or the Twitter stalking or the TikTok 
stalking, right? Because you know it as well as I do. Those relationships are so important. And the things that make friendships wonderful wonderful are the same things that can make friendships dangerous. That's You know that as well as I do. That's why we're so fanatical about who our kids are friends with. But the truth is, we have to be careful. Because as parents and even as adults, as we become older, we get close to people. And in those friendships, we drop our guard. We crave acceptance in those relationships. And acceptance, craving that acceptance, leaves us open to influence. Now, did anybody, anybody in here smoke your first cigarette alone? Or did you have a group of friends? Because many addictive behaviors begin in a crowd. How many people sat down and had their first beer alone? Or their first drink alone? Right? Addictive behaviors begin in a crowd. They simply begin in a crowd. The greatest regret were, were you with an enemy or a friend? Because if they were your enemy, you probably didn't spend much time with them, right? And, and if you're single, just for a second, if you're single, are you a bit surprised at what you've done since moving here to Fredericksburg, since going off to college? Well, if you are, then you need to stop and take a step back and go, well, who am I surrounding myself with? Because friendships, friendships are marvelous, but they can also be hazardous. We've got to be careful. And it's the nature of a friendship. It's just the way humans are wired. In fact, Morin Cerf, who's a neuroscientist at Northwestern University, he was studying decision-making over an entire decade. And he discovered that when two people are in each other's company, their brainwaves almost begin to look identical. It's, it's pr- true. Look, look it up. We can look up Warren, or I'm sorry, Morin Cerf, and you can figure out and get this same exact thing. He says, this is from his study, He says, the more we study engagement, we see time and time again that just being next to certain people actually aligns your brain with them. If people want to maximize happiness and minimize stress, that's you and me, right? We want to maximize happiness, right? And we want to minimize stress. Raise your hand. Show hands. Who wants to do that? I know I want to do that. They should build a life. Here it is. Here's the moneymaker, okay? We're not even in the Bible yet. They should build a life that requires fewer decisions by surrounding themselves with people who embody the traits they prefer. Over time, they'll naturally pick up those desirable attitudes and behaviors. That when the truth is, is that who you surround yourself with shapes you. The people you surround yourself with simply shape who you are, and who you're going to be. And we've got to recognize that. So it's not being judgmental, no, 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 on the contrary. It's simply using good judgment. It's not about the other people. Today, it's about you and your future, the type of traits that you prefer, the type of person that you want to be in 15 or 20 years, how that influence, uh, the friends now influence whether you will make it to that destination in the future. Now, 3,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago, Solomon, which many believe was the wisest man that ever lived at the time. Some people believe he's still the wisest man to ever live. He says this, 
in Proverbs. He says, walk with the wise and become wise. The implication is that wisdom is contagious. It rubs off. Do life with the wise and then you will become wise. And remember what we talked about with it was, as it related to wisdom? Wisdom was looking at my past experiences, my present, what am I going through right now, and where I want to be in the future when I make decisions. That I don't make decisions in a vacuum. That I recognize that my decisions impact tomorrow, and they impact the next day, and they impact next week. That I have second and third order effects when I make a decision. So wisdom is looking at my past, my current situation, and my future self, who I want to be in the future, and making decisions in that vein. And he says, walk with those people that make those types of decisions. And you will begin to make those types of decisions because it is contagious. Walk with the wise and you will become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. A companion of fools suffers harm. And a fool, right, a fool is... This is just somebody who is completely ignoring, right? This is a fool. Fool somebody who doesn't recognize, who doesn't recognize that they're current. Uh, they, don't, they don't recognize that their behavior today affects their tomorrow. That's what a fool is. A fool is somebody who's careless. They, they're not concerned about their tomorrow. They're only concerned about their today. And they don't relate it at all or reevaluate their past. They simply live in the moment. And that person, Solomon tells us, they're going to suffer harm because they're not making wise decisions. They're not paying attention to things. It doesn't say the companion becomes a fool. Notice that. The companion doesn't become a fool. The companion of a fool suffers harm. The issue is the proximity. As you go, they go. As they go, I go. It's insidious. It's, it's a, I don't, um, I don't want to do what they do, but if you surround yourself with those types of people, and Warren Surf would argue again, <laughs> stick around long enough and you might do what they do. And you can make the argument, oh, but I don't drink like they do. I don't, I don't sleep around like they do. I don't you know, treat my wife or my husband the way they do. I don't talk about people behind their back the way they do. I don't behave the way they do. But again, the neuroscientist tells us that if you stick around with them long enough, you just might. If you stick around them long enough, you just might start behaving that way. And, and Solomon says it's actually even worse than that that you'll catch shrapnel from their bad decisions, that you will be lumped in with them sometimes. How many of you guys have gotten in trouble? And this is just a question, don't raise your hand, don't look around. How many of you have gotten in trouble or gotten yourself into a bad situation because you were with a friend? You didn't even say what they said, but you were around, so you got lumped into the same group as them. And friends who, don't, who aren't careful with their lives, this is just true. They won't be careful with your life. Friends who aren't careful with their body won't be careful with yours. They won't be careful with your marriage. They won't be careful with your money. They won't be careful with your reputation. They won't be careful with your faith. They won't be careful or even think about your future. You have to be the one to do that. You have to make that decisions. And again, friendships 
can be treacherous, but they can also be amazing. You get the right group of people around you and you begin to shape into something that you really truly wanna be. And I started to do it when I got into the church. I recognized that some of the people I surrounded myself with in the Marine Corps and some of the people and behaviors that I was exhibiting in the Marine Corps and even when I started to get out weren't the best. I surrounded myself with people who didn't have the same type of traits that I did and have the same type of values that I did. So that being the case, guess what I did? I, I, I had to change that. I had to recognize that I needed some guardrails. I had to pay attention to the tension that was happening and forming in those friendships and relationships. When I knew where I wanted to go and the man that I wanted to be and the husband that I wanted to be, I needed to change the people that I was around. And I needed to change the, the environment that I was in. Because remember, the point of a guardrail, because friendships need guardrails. They need guardrails. Because you know as well as I do, some friends, they don't get to move into the next section, right? They're a level one friend. They're not going to get into the tight-knit group of people where they can really influence you. They're sitting on the outside, and you're going to keep them on the outside because you don't want their traits to become your traits, right? You know this. You, you may not have put words around it before, but you recognize this, that friendship requires guardrails. And again, guardrails are meant to light up our conscience before we veer into the danger zone. Minimal damage done, right? Just a little ding on the paint, just a little just 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 a little body damage, nothing serious. Everybody's alive, everybody's good, no catastrophic injury or failure. Here's some things that your conscience should light up with, your conscience should light up with as it relates to your guardrails. Here's just some things you should pay attention when it dawns on you that your core group isn't moving in the direction you want your life to be moving, they're not moving in the same des to the same destination as you. Now, I'm not saying you got to cut them out of your life. I'm not saying that at all. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that's just set a light bulb off, right? And if we're using the words of Paul last week, and we're remembering what he says to be very careful then how you live, be very careful then how you live when those people aren't doing what you should be doing or they aren't moving in the direction that you are moving. Here's the other thing that you got to pay attention to. Here's another guardrail when you bump up against you got to be aware of is when you catch yourself pretending to be somebody other than who you really are. When you catch yourself pretending to be somebody other than who you really are, you've bumped up against a guardrail. And you have a choice. You can continue to be pre pretending and leaning into those relationships and ignoring the guardrail. And before you know it, you're in a ditch with those same group of people. Or you can pay attention. The other one is when you feel pressure to compromise. Not after you've compromised. That's too late. That, that's already something. That's, that's already happened, right? I mean, you can come back from that. But when you feel pressure to compromise, pressure to compromise on your values, pressure to compromise in your financial standing, pressure to compromise in your marriage, pressure to compromise on your own ethics, when you feel the pressure to compromise, you have hit a guardrail. And you've got to pay attention and you've got to weigh it. You've got to make a wise decision. Remember, based on my past, my present, and where I want to go, what should I do next? The easiest way to think about this is when something that's never been a real temptation becomes an actual option. 
when something that you've never had dealt with before and you've never struggled with before and you're not interested in doing before, when that becomes a real option, you have bumped up against a guardrail. Or if you catch yourself thinking, I'll go, but I won't participate, right? You've bumped into a guardrail. You just need to reevaluate it. I go, but I won't participate. Maybe not yet, but maybe the next time you do, you will. Or maybe the next time you do, you will. It's only a matter of time. Um, or here's, here's the one that you really feels icky when we say it, but it's just the truth. Like you've bumped into a guardrail real hard here. When you hope the people that you care about don't know your whereabouts. When you hope that your wife doesn't know where you are, or you hope your, your husband doesn't know where you are, or you hope your kids never find out what you're doing, or you hope your mom and dad never find out what you're doing or who you're with, then you, my friend, have bumped into a guardrail. You've bumped into a guardrail. At this point, minimal damage done. You can pull out and get out of there at any time in those relationships. Don't stay. Don't stay. And I know if this sounds over the top, narrow and judgmental, I get it. I'm totally, I'm totally, totally there. But I also know this. Tomorrow morning, thousands will wake up and stare into the bathroom mirror and they won't look like the person they're looking at. And they'll ask the question, how did this happen? Why am I here? How did I allow my marriage to get to this place? How did I allow my situation to get to here? Whose life is this? How did this happen? And the answer is because our friends determine the direction and the quality of our life. Our friends determine the direction and the quality of our life. And Jesus punctuated this approach. He punctuated it. There was a group that had a counter for everything Jesus said. And they weren't going to let him win. They were pressing back against it. And Jesus, and as Luke records it, he he, he writes it down so that we don't forget. He says, wisdom is proved right by all her children. Meaning, wisdom, wisdom is proved right because all those decisions are going to play out well. In other words, time will tell. Time will tell. Because wisdom isn't an absolute. Wisdom isn't an absolute. And you can we can sit in this room and you can give me tons of counter arguments. That's absolutely true. Relational or friendship guardrails are not a lack of concern or of love. Putting up friendship guardrails is not that at all. Because one day people may need you. But you got to have those guardrails in place because you don't want them to begin to change that. And the truth is we should establish some guardrails. You should establish some friendship guardrails because you'll be happy you did. Perhaps you wish you had in the future. So we'll pick it up there next week with our next set of guardrails. But before then, I would love to pray for you. Father, thank you for the words of Solomon here. God, when it comes to our friends, this is oftentimes, these are blind spots for us because we love them so much and we, we you know, we want to be accepted. We want to just kind of have that connection with people. Um, so Lord, I, I just pray that your spirit would guide us 
you would kind of lean on us in those moments when we maybe recognize this as a relationship that we shouldn't be a part of or a friendship that we need to move to the outside of the circle instead of to the inside of the circle. So God, we're just grateful for you, grateful for this opportunity. We love you and we give you all the praise. It's in Jesus' name.